I'm Kate Daniels. Cancer Pathways is doing their great work in the midst of COVID. And to share some insights, we have Anna Gottlieb with us. Anna is the founder and the executive director. Anna Gottlieb, good morning. How great to have you join us this morning. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for having me. I am so grateful that we could actually find the time to get together because even in the midst of this pandemic, there's just so much going on and you are so busy and so active with all that's going on with Cancer Pathways, not the least of which, of course, is the big anniversary, your 20th. We are 20 years old this year, so we're very excited about that and really taking the time to take a look back to where we've been and what we've been able to do and how we want to move forward. Certainly the pandemic has uh, added something to that as well, right, in how we move forward. It really has. It enabled us to change the way we do things and to realize that there are a lot of different ways some better ways. It's allowed us to expand and have a bigger impact because we are virtually online for a lot of our programs. We pivoted very quickly when the pandemic started. We didn't know how long or what was going to happen, but we said we don't want to stop our support services, our education, our classes. So we did go online and we've been almost shocked by the response and how many people are taking advantage of it because they still want the support. Families still need people to talk to. The classes, the education are still so important. And we've been able to provide it and really expand our reach now throughout the state and, in fact, throughout the country. So that definitely is very good news to be able to give people what they need and to have a even a, a broader audience, if you will, in, in terms of people being able to connect and get the support. Yes, very much so. And, and for us, what we found in a year of fear and isolation, being a cancer patient, it's just exacerbated. You don't know what to be more afraid of, COVID or cancer. And so we really needed to up our support and to find people where they are and meet their needs because there's so many during a year like this that we just had. So that is a key thing. I'm glad that so many people are using the virtual platform to connect and get the support, but there's um, a a downside where uh, you can't just do some of these appointments that are necessary virtually. And and that's really a, a critical issue here, isn't it? It is. We miss, everybody misses the hugs and the handshakes and the sitting next to each other, holding hands, patting people on the back and just being able to be together eye to eye, face to face. That has been a missing link and we're doing the best we can without being able to do that and letting people know we did not go anywhere. We are still here in a different format. And and that's the thing. We can't, especially with persons dealing with cancer, there's the whole immune system that is so much more compromised. So there's just, I mean, it's too dangerous really to think about coming together. 
It really is, and we've realized that, which is why we quickly pivoted. We hope that will be a day coming soon when we can get together again. But for now, we are doing it the best way we can, and it's meeting a lot of needs. So we're very happy with that. But it, it is, it's never going to be the same as laughing and crying together, sitting next to each other. Oh, absolutely. On the this um, issue of connecting virtually, I know that there are people who do not have the technology. They don't have the computers or the, the uh, smartphones to be able to make these connections. Have you found that there has been uh, that kind of a disconnect for some people with you, or has that not come up? We're finding that most people have phones where they can at least have a phone conversation, maybe not a Zoom call, but we can talk to them. We're certainly using email a lot more to talk to people. And as far as computers, I, we've even had people go to the library or go to public places to be able to contact us and be in touch. Right. Well, I, I know that um, the libraries pretty much are, are Close to the public, except for loans. But they do have, um, oh, there's equipment where you can g- get internet connection. And it's just, my brain is just kind of uh, blipping on what that is. So so that's good that people have found those resources. Yes, and they're still finding more. And now that things are slowly reopening a little bit, I think we'll see a lot more of that. So very positive on that. But as you said, meeting in person, uh, it's still somewhere way off in the future. It looks to be, I think, will be the last population that will gather safely, but we want to make sure it's safe for everybody. I mean, we're looking at next year sometime. I guess so much depends on the news and week to week things change so quickly but we have now been established online, and so we're going to keep going with that. What's interesting, we've talked to a lot of um, our members who say even when the pandemic is over, they prefer to do online and Zoom calls because it is from the comfort of their own home. They don't have to deal with traffic. They don't have to get dressed. They can really be comfortable. So we are looking at a hybrid going forward. I, I love the idea of having the hybrids, giving people the option of, you know, if there is a place to gather, yes, but to have that virtual. Because uh, it's not, there's the time invested in having to get to and fro, depending on where you're at. And for anyone living, way, you know, off uh, in more rural areas, it's maybe impossible. So that virtual connection is really just a blessing. It really has been. That surprised us all this year and made us step back and realize we were missing a link, you know, that that is a really great way to reach more people that can't get to us. So we're going to be doing a lot more of that anyways. So you have in the past had camps for for the kids particularly, and that did happen virtually last year, right? We did. We've had five summer camps, and last year we couldn't meet, and so we did do virtual camps. It was different, but it was very much appreciated by the parents and the kids because it gave them a connection. It was not a school thing. It was 
just a way for them to connect with other kids who are going through the same thing. This year, we're actually going to do a hybrid of summer camp. Some will be in person, but they'll be smaller and outdoors. And the virtual will still be available as well? Yes, we are still doing a virtual because now we're getting people from all over the country that are interested in it. So we will always, I think from now on, hybrid is going to be our word. And in this case, uh, I think in many cases, hybrid is a good thing because it just has that ability of reaching so many more people than kind of, we'll call it the standard version. Right, right. And, you know, traffic is taken off the table. Parking is taking off the table. Having to, you know, deal with uh, babysitters and things like that. It's all become different. And it's been a positive thing in the for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. There there certainly are some some low parts of this and and yeah. one of them of course the big thing is not being able to physically be together when you know the opportunity would be there and it would be so beneficial. Exactly. There's there's no substitute for that, but there are ways to help people still without having to come in and Certainly, we were all, everybody was big huggers and big handshakers. And so we'll definitely have to find something, some way to get back to some of that. But even on the phone, I've noticed there's a lot of crying and a lot of laughter in some of these um, calls. So that's been really nice to see. So people are, are still being able to be themselves. Yeah. Even though it's virtual. Yeah. 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 So the thing about being in person and you have this wonderful building in downtown Seattle. Well, it's up on Capitol Hill, so in Seattle proper, I guess. Uh, it's because of the location, for one, and I looked at the picture, and it's just heartbreaking to see how um, it's been disrespected, I'll say. Not that other buildings haven't, but it just this is such a, a a lovely old building that you've really cared for for so many years and and it's um it's really suffered some abuse it has and it's been very heartbreaking for us we have to clean it a lot and you know with everything going on in the city and the neighborhood and we understand that it's happening all over not just where we are but it's become a huge problem for us of just trying to keep the building up. And that's not how we want to use our funds. We really want to use our funds for programs and to reach more families. But this year, we've really had to step back and do a lot of work to our building. We have a lot of broken windows and a lot of vandalism and graffiti and, you know, people everywhere. And so this really lends itself to my wanting to uh, talk about donations and volunteering, you know, because you are a nonprofit, donations without question are really a, a major part of your functioning. And if, and that's another thing with COVID, the, the regular uh, fundraisers that you'd have through the year couldn't happen. Correct. We canceled probably seven fundraisers last year. That really takes a toll on our bottom line. So we're definitely in the mode of figuring things out and 
trying to move forward. We've been very fortunate that we've been able to keep going and we will keep going, but we definitely always need more help. It occurred to me that would this possibly be a volunteer opportunity to help out at the the site, uh, at the building, to help to do some of that cleaning up and repair? Absolutely. We've used volunteers a lot to do that, to help us paint over graffiti, clean up the front porch, um, get rid of all the garbage that's around and so we all and broken windows so we have always relied on volunteers to help us with that so that's that's already been in play in play but there's unfortunately never enough of it because we need it all the time lately so this is then the big ask please Come and help. How can people connect to say that they are willing and able? The best way right now would be through our website, which is cancerpathways.org. And um, it would be they can contact me directly. That Our emails are online. And just to let us know that they have skills they want to use and talents and time. And we can put almost anybody to work. So that's a a great thing, um, and you know I think I'm just quite certain that you know the protocols would be followed. You come with your mask. You're going to keep distance, but there's the building. The space is large enough that a, a, quite a number of people could be there and get a lot of work done. Absolutely, we follow all the protocols, and we have all the equipment there. And people have been really, really respectful of that. And the other thing is there are, uh, this is something you would not budget for, is having to, to get the paint and uh, the equipment to do that and for the cleanup and who knows what kinds of containers you need and such. And uh, so all of that requires funds. That's where if a person can't be doing something physically, being able to make a donation to Cancer Pathways is going to help in a major way for this as well as for the programs. It would help a lot because, again, we wouldn't have to divert our program funds for upkeep. Right. So, yes, that's an important ask. You know, this is a a time of year again. Different times a year we kind of look at, you know, making donations to really important causes. And uh, the springtime is one of those times. And we have, uh, it being spring is one, but Mother's Day is coming up. Maybe that would be a focus is uh, to make a donation in honor of mom. I think that would be terrific. There are so many ways to honor people that we love that have cancer, have had cancer. There really isn't anybody anymore who doesn't know somebody who's had cancer. Yes, you know, that's true. I probably, oh, maybe 25 years or so ago, I would, uh, it was rare that I could think of anyone I knew. And now, it's it's just so prevalent. Uh, I don't know what it is, whether it's more connections or just it, more people are being diagnosed with all these various terrible kinds of cancers. It's true, and more people are talking about it. It used to be we didn't talk about those things, and and 
thankfully now we are talking about them and it's helping everybody. And we all are either going to have cancer, know somebody with cancer, live with somebody with cancer, have a parent or a child, and we can all really understand each other. You know, you did, um, for our listeners, you had, uh, so that they know, there was a, a, a wonderful article. I'm not sure if it was written just for Cancer Pathways or if it was published somewhere, but this is uh, the words of a medical doctor who has uh, lung cancer, and he, Dr. Morhof Al-Akhar. Am I saying yes. that for, right? Yes. He is so eloquent and so honest in his expression of what it is to be living as a cancer patient at the time of COVID. So, you know, we, of course, doctors are human beings and, and they have this diagnosis. And, and sadly, this brilliant uh, young man, you were telling me he's a, a young doctor, is living with this. He is living. He's not uh, being morose about it. Um, he is really an inspiration. He is, and I think that's the key. It's living with cancer. You still have life when you're diagnosed, and that's what we want people to focus on, too, and as well as helping them figuring out how to do that. And he makes such a good point of saying to learn to live in the here and now. I think COVID, that's one of the, you know, parentheses, quote, uh, gifts of COVID, if one can call it that. But it, it, the awarenesses that have come up because of COVID kind of puts us all in a in the same kind of boat. Uh, you know, I there's little that differentiates. Yes, we're going to have vaccines and, you know, some people have them and some don't yet, but, you know, ultimately, hopefully everyone will have that. But living through this time, we've all had that uh, very similar experiences. It has, I think, brought us closer and given us a better understanding of what it is to live with something like that. So here's where that empathy, the compassion, can certainly enter in. Yes, and I think I have found that people can be a lot kinder now, and we're thinking about things differently, certainly about illness and life and death, and we all have much stronger bonds right now. I am so glad to hear you say it in that way, Anna. Because sometimes it feels like there's a tug of war going on, but it's it's better to look at it in the more positive, like people are coming together because a lot of that is happening. So let's look on the on the brighter side of that picture, how there is that reaching out and and pulling together and having more compassion. And we really have liked seeing that more of that this year. It's really um stuck out to us how people are kinder and reaching out more and certainly more understanding of each other. And, you know, you, somebody's walking down the street, you learn that you never know what that person is going through ever. And we're all going through different things, but we all need to keep that in mind. And, you know, that's such a key thing. It's so true that we never know what kind of burden another person has and in the in the pre-covid times 
you know, it was easier to look at a person and 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 give a smile. Now with the masks on, uh, it's it's just so much more challenging. But I'm always hopeful that the smile is still visible through the eyes. Sometimes you can see it in the eyes for sure. Just, but yeah, I think then the thing is, even though we have masks on, let's continue to smile, even though that smile is not showing. Uh, we we just need to do it because that's a way to kind of really lend that moral support and connection to others. Exactly. And, you know, we have wonderful, heartfelt stories of people with cancer and their neighbors are coming over and mowing their lawn and bringing them food. And you can do all that through COVID as well. And people are being very, trying to be very helpful to their neighbors and to people they meet and understanding of what somebody else might be going through. So all very important things. And that gives us ideas of, you know, just to reach out to our neighbors. We may not even know if they've had a diagnosis. It's been a year. So much can have happened that maybe that was one of the things. And to just have that closer connection or reaching out. I think I've seen a lot more of that in the past year, which has been very wonderful. So kudos for those doing that. So we've said some really positive things that have come through a very challenging time. But there's kind of the downside. Because of COVID, people have been less desirous of maybe going to a doctor's appointment, even if it's a virtual one, uh, just putting that off. And there is a sense that this could have some really dire consequences down the line if we don't keep up with regular appointments because there could be a missed diagnosis of something going on in the body. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we have seen people who have put off their mammograms, their colonoscopies, their skin tests because they didn't want to go into a hospital or doctor's office. Some doctors were not taking patients at the time. People have postponed their treatments or they've been postponed because of um, the, the urge of treating COVID patients, which was all good. However, in the cancer world, putting tests off and putting off what you feel like you should be seeing a doctor for is going to have dire consequences. And there's been a lot of research saying that it's really putting the cancer world behind by years and years because so many people will be diagnosed with stage four. And we all know early diagnosis is really the key to a lot of cancer treatments. And people just have not been willing to go into their doctors. So it it is a, kind of a double-edged sword. So people have not been wanting to go in, but there's also been that lack of availability because the focus has been so on COVID that people have not been able to be have scheduled surgeries or or maybe some of those appointments, say for a colonoscopy. Yes, and that's really going to have consequences in the next few years. And that's what we're concerned about. We're trying to get people to get back in to get their screenings. We're working with doctors to talk about how safe it is. I think people are just starting to realize they can go back in, but it's been a really tough year for that. 
a year means a lot. So it does, right? So this it does when you have a lump or a mole or um, problems with your colon, and you know it, and you haven't gone in, things just end up getting worse. Oh, so here's a strong message from this morning. If if you're hearing this and this happens to be something you're dealing with or you know someone in your circle who is, really reach out either to Cancer Pathways or call your your medical provider and, and do something positive about it this week. The sooner the better. We don't want people putting any of these screening tests off any of their treatments off because there is something about going in early, early detection is a key and getting your treatments on time is key. So we're really trying to encourage people and help them get back in to see their doctors. Right. And, you know, if this is something that is fearful, is there a support group? If there's, is there something going on at Cancer Pathways, Anna, that people can reach out and, and get some encouragement, some, you know, kind of a urging, some companionship to, to go forward? There is. We have a lot of social workers people can talk to. And most of our support groups are full of people that give each other the best advice. And we've heard a lot of it, people saying, I went in finally for my screening test. It did feel safe. I'm glad I did it. And so sometimes when you hear that from another person, it really makes a difference. Yes. It's just like getting the COVID vaccines. People saying, I did it. It was okay, you know. Right. Exactly. And that we're really trying to encourage people to do that. So to do that, if someone is not connected with Cancer Pathways, how would they uh, make connection with a support group? I, right now, the best way would be through our website, and you will be connected to a social worker within 24 hours. Wow. That's really incredible. That's a real fast turnaround. We pride ourselves on our fast turnaround. This is not the time you want to wait. Right. So, Cancer Pathways website, very simple. It's cancerpathways.org. Right, Anna? Correct. Right? It is, yes. And that's where there's that opportunity to connect and say you want to connect with a a support group. So here's the staffing that's required. Here's where, you know, the this is a, a group of people that are there to help the greater population. So that leads us to wanting to do our part make donations, help this work to continue. And we can make our donations online. Yes, you can. That would be very appreciated and needed right now. So to celebrate the 20th anniversary is one thing. To celebrate, to honor someone who you know who is living with, lived with cancer and didn't survive in memory of a person. There's just so many ways to offer that kind of a gift you know, to to keep this work going forward and helping people to to live better through cancer. And I think it feels really good to give. I think right now we're all in a situation where it, it feels really good to help and to give if we're able. Yes. And that 
if we're able is a mixed bag. Some of us, you know, are so fortunate to be able to continue working and um, our costs potentially aren't as great as they were when we needed to go into a place to work. So there's a savings factor that's going on. So we can think in terms of what we've saved and think about how we want to then use those dollars to make such a a big difference in someone's life, but it could be our own life. Exactly. And for us, there is no donation that's too small. Nothing's unimportant. We treasure every donation people make. We know it's hard-earned. And we make sure the money is spent on people who need our services. Well, the services are just amazing. They're obviously so life-giving. They've helped so many. And, you know, there's just that energy that you share with us, Anna, of what goes on and how people have benefited and you know, to be part of that is is also a gift to us. It's a way for us to to really be part of our community and making the world better. And we're all, I think, in the way of doing that right now, I think we're all thinking about that more and more. And I think it's really important to do what your passion is, give where your passion is, and know that you're really helping. Well, let's do that. And I really appreciate, Anna Gottlieb, that you've been with us to share these insights and to encourage us and to just make us a part of this larger family because that's who we are on this earth, right? It is, and we really are all together. Yes, we are. Well, many thanks for who you are and what you are doing for all of us and for spending this time with us this morning. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it.